Welcome to the Podcast Connector. Each week, we'll bring you behind-the-scenes tips on all things entrepreneurship, spreading your message, and the podcasting space. Plus, we will connect you with some amazing people in health, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and personal development. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to the Podcast Connector podcast. Today, I have an incredible interview for you with Sal Stefano, host of Mind Pump podcast. If you aren't already familiar with Mind Pump, they are the top fitness podcast in the world. And Sal hosts Mind Pump along with his other co-hosts, Adam and Justin. They talk all about fitness and health on their podcast. And in this episode, I wanted to dive deeper into the business aspect of Mind Pump. We talk about what makes a successful podcast, what allowed Sal, Adam, and Justin to grow such a successful show, how they built such an incredible, loyal community tips they have for marketing yourself on podcasts, how to grow your audience in today's world, finding aligned business partners, and so much more. So there is a lot of really good stuff in this episode. I cannot wait for you to hear it. You can learn more from Sal on the Mind Pump podcast along with Adam and Justin. So just search Mind Pump on iTunes. You can head to mindpumpmedia.com to uh, see all of their offerings. Get your hands on their MAPS programs. They're incredible if you're looking for a fitness program. You can uh, find Sal on Instagram at mindpumpsal and find the general Mind Pump page at Mind Pump Media. I always have so much fun talking with Sal. I've had Sal, Adam, and Justin on my show a few times. I've also been on their podcast a few times here and there, and they have been, you know, in the podcasting world for, I think, seven years now. They have over 1,500 episodes. They are an incredible example of building an authentic audience and really being mission-driven, purpose-driven, genuinely wanting to help people and just being authentic the whole way through. So they they're truly incredible they're like family to me. So as always, so much fun having Sal on. So enjoy this conversation with Sal Stefano. Well, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is you're looking especially muscular recently. So what's, oh, what have you. you been doing? Uh, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing that's happened is my, my gut health is really good. Wow. Like really under control. So you know how I've always dealt with gut issues kind of up and down and out. It's, it's always hard for me to eat the amount of calories and proteins that would fuel, you know, my workouts and muscle growth. And so I'd go through these periods where like my gut health would be good for a month and I'd see my lean body mass go up by a few pounds. And then mm. inevitably my gut health would go south and I'd have to cut down again. And one of the ways that I would improve my gut health was by reducing my just overall food intake. I'd have to reduce starchy carbohydrates. Sometimes I'd have to implement fasting. So I was I was able to work out and be fit and all that stuff, but it was hard to really feed myself. And I'd say now for the last maybe seven months, I've had really, just for me at least, probably not compared to the average person, but for me, just exceptional gut health. So it's worked out really well. That's awesome. What have you been doing to, to support that? So I did a parasite cleanse once. And that seemed to help. And then exclusive. This is just for your podcast. Oh, yes. Okay. So I did a parasite cleanse, right? And that seemed to help a lot. And it wasn't as good as it is now, but it was a lot better. And then, I don't know if you know this, uh, my partners and I all got COVID. You know that? Yeah, I know that. I was supposed yeah. to hang out with you and you got COVID like the day before. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so we all got COVID. And so I was up in Truckee, actually. We were with friends and I was kind of feeling under the weather. And then I looked at my phone and I had a text from one of my employees and it was a picture of a positive 
positive COVID test. And I'm like, oh crap, I don't feel good. Then Doug wasn't feeling good. Adam wasn't feeling good. Everybody got tested, sure enough. We all had COVID. So I did the whole protocol that I know based off of the best literature that I've read to help myself. So I did glutathione, zinc, quercetin, melatonin, baby aspirin, all that regular stuff. And I also went and did, and I didn't tell anybody on the podcast this, but I took, I also did the uh, maybe controversial stuff. So I got my hands on some ivermectin and I took the dose that was recommended by the doctors that are using ivermectin. So it's been widely used in India, Brazil, other parts of South America, Africa. So I took that dose and I don't know if that played a big role, but the COVID was super mild for me. Jessica got it and the baby got it. Super mild for us. We all got better. Everybody was fine. But I noticed my gut health got way better. So I'm wondering if I had actual parasites because that's what ivermectin is for. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm like, oh my God, that's the side effect of taking that. My gut health is like way better. So I'm wondering if I actually had parasites wow. that needed to be treated. I know. That's I know. so funny. Well, it's I, so I got COVID too and I took ivermectin as well. I felt like night and day better, but I mean, I took the other things too. However, I also got an ear infection and so I, I had to take antibiotics. I was like about to lose my hearing and that just totally screwed me over. So I didn't get mm. those, those positive effects. <laughs> I don't know you got COVID. When did you get COVID? I think it was a couple weeks after you did. Was, um, it, mi- was it mild for you or was it? It was, bad? I had a fever. I had a really bad headache. That was the worst mm. thing. I felt like my brain was going to burst out of my school and I didn't get my hands on the ivermectin until a couple days into it. And once I got that, I feel like, I don't know if it was just already writing out or if that helped, yeah. but yeah, it definitely, it definitely helped me to be honest. Yeah. So Yeah. And, and I want to be clear. This is, of course, this is me doing this to myself. I don't recommend anybody do anything that's not approved or whatever. Yeah. And, and it, it, I'll tell you what, I had a friend that passed away. He's, uh, he was my age, very close to me. I mean, he wasn't like super healthy, but he was an un- unhealthy. He was like average 42 mm-hmm. year old guy. He just, you know, so I don't know. I don't know. It's really weird, but I think the ivermectin fixed my gut problems. <laughs> that's so interesting I know. Uh, because actually I know a lot of people who like that's been the worst long-term side effect for them who have gotten it is I'm hearing a lot of like, you know, autoimmune and a lot of long-term gut issues. So it's just interesting. I know. Connected. I there went we the go. opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, whatever. Well, that's cool. That's amazing. And then that totally changed your, I feel like it changed your body composition. And I, cause I was curious if you've just been doing extra sneaky things because you're on your, your book tour or whatever. No, just that's the biggest thing. And, and for me, like gut health is such a big part of how my body reacts to mm-hmm. food and exercise. Like it's, it's really annoying. A lot of people, if you've never dealt with it, you don't know, Yeah. but it's a, it's a, it's a huge pain and it can really dramatically impact energy and mood performance. And so for me, it was just always up and down, you know, two steps forward, two steps back, constant thing. So well, I'm I glad think. you're feeling so much better. Thank you. Thank you. You look, you look really healthy too, by the way. Thank you. Last, yeah. You don't, you, don't, you look good before healthy before, but now you look extra vibrant. Well, thank you. I feel like you've seen me through almost all of my phases of, of, uh, health and unhealth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been a while, right? I think, um, how long have we known each other now? It's been my, five years. Five years. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So I actually think this is, this is a good place to dive in, in terms of, I think a lot of people, especially now have a really hard time networking and like making authentic connections, you know? And I'm curious, like for, for you and you guys, what are you, what are you looking for? Like what drew, what do you think made us get along so well? What are you looking for when people are like networking with you? I think this is an interesting conversation. Actually, it's a very good conversation, Christina. It's a very important one for entrepreneurs because I think sometimes we get caught up, like if we're trying to build a business and we're trying to build a brand and we get caught up by the person that we're meeting, their network or how big they are or how successful they are. So it's like, oh my God, we're meeting this really successful person. I want to try and get tight with them because, you know, they're going to help our business. 
this. And I mean, here's the, this is the truth now. Back when we were on your podcast five years ago, I mean, we weren't massive or anywhere near as big as we are now, but we were definitely top 10 at the time. You were very small, obviously very young, and we met with you and we loved you. And so we developed this long relationship. And it wasn't because you had all these things you could offer us in terms of followers and exposure, but what really connected us was your character. And I think that that's one of the most important things to look at because like, I'll give you another example of, of someone else in our space who's more directly in, in the fitness space, right? Jordan Shallow. So this is a, he's like a big like power lifter guy. He's got a beard, super intelligent, right? Super smart PhD. And he, we reached out to him when he had like 7,000 followers on Instagram and we loved his content and loved the way he presented things. We met with him and same thing. We loved his character. And so we connected. Now Jordan Shallow is really big and it's been quite synergistic, but that's kind of where we started. And then we've met people, I'm not going to name any names, where <laughs> they had really large networks and potentially a lot of things to offer us, but they were slimy or they didn't have integrity. And like, here's a deal. Like I don't, I would never trade. That's to me is not success is, is to be fake or to align myself with someone that doesn't have the same ideals. So, you know, someone like you, tremendous amount of potential when we met you, you were 21 years old. I mean, you're still a kid, but you were really a kid then. Super aggressive, very ambitious, very smart, just getting started kind of. And we loved you, loved your energy. And, you know, and now look at you, you're doing great things, you're growing and it's been a great relationship, but it was, it was based on that, your character and kind of who you are. And so that's, I think that it's, I can't stress that enough because what you don't want to do, and it's, it's hard to understand this when you're young and not talking to you in particular, I know you get this, but to anyone who's watching, who's young and, and, and starting their own business, it's hard to get this, but you can achieve monetary success. You can get a lot of exposure. Fame would be the other word for it. But if it doesn't align with your values and integrity, it's not going to, it's going to be torture. It's not going to feel like success. It probably won't last very long, but, or if it does, you're going to be living kind of a lie. So that's number one. That's rule number one. Now here's number two. Okay. So number one character number, I have to like the person. I have to like their character and feel like they're, you know, somebody I'd want to hang around with. And then number two is, can I learn from this person? Right. What, what can I learn from this individual? And I might not necessarily think that specifically and, you know, explicitly, but if I were to label it, it would definitely be that. Like, what would I learn from Christina Rice? Well, what did I learn from you? Well, you're young and inexperienced, but you were uh, aggressive and that was awesome. It was great to see that. And so, and you're also like very much a go-getter. So what did I learn from that? Well, I learned, you know, I'm inexperienced in a lot of things that I've been trying to do. For example, I just wrote a book. And so being around those kind of people kind of encourages that type of mentality and energy in myself. So I think those are the two most important things. I think down the list is their reach and their fame and that kind of stuff. I don't think that's nearly as important as people think. And so it's a really, really good question. I'm glad you asked that. Well, let's not downplay the cookies I made you and that I taught you <laughs> yeah. all about spirit guides and tarot cards. Let's not downplay that. <laughs> that is, that. you know, what's funny is that, uh, and that's totally not my, my space or wheelhouse or whatever, but because it's you, I like to hear about it. And I think it's really interesting. And you're a good sport. I get to have fun with you and yeah. you don't, yeah, you don't take what I say seriously. But again, that's part of the character that I saw when I, well, that we saw when we first met you. So, uh, but yeah, it's true. Those cookies, I think pushed us over the edge. We're like, yeah. that's it. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta keep this relationship going. <laughs> that was it. That was it. No, I appreciate that. I think it's a really important conversation because I feel like I see a lot of entrepreneurs entering the space and a lot of podcasters, new podcasters, and it's just like their, their intentions I feel are really misaligned. And I think it's harder. It can be, it can 
feel harder than before, at least for me, to just like connect with people, find authentic people. I think especially, you know, in the last few years as things have been really online, you know, there's less like in-person events and things like that. But, you know, I, I see a lot of people who are trying to make connections and I feel like they're just kind of not doing it the right way. And I think this also leads into like what you look for in podcast guests as well, right? Because a lot of people just, you know, they think like they'll send a pitch and I'm like, you're not different. There's an, I've heard this a million times before. So what makes you what makes you different? And especially for you guys, I mean, you have what over 1500 episodes at this point, you've ha- interviewed a ton of people. And for you, what what makes somebody interesting to you? Yeah, so there's got to be something interesting about them for each of us personally. And that's going to be different from person to person. In other words, if I didn't have a podcast, would this be someone that I would want to sit down with and have a conversation with? Now, why is that important? Well, that's going to make a good show. I don't care who the guest is. If the conversation is genuinely compelling and it comes through as compelling through me, through the person interviewing and the person talking, then the odds are that the people listening will also find it compelling and as a, as a compelling conversation. So that's that's number one. The second thing is, is this going to bring value to my audience? You know, So is this something that I can, maybe I'll find somebody that's interesting for me, but then I'll think, how can this be of value to my audience? And it, it might not be, or I'll find a way to make it of value uh, to my audience. Okay, how can I position this conversation that I want to have this person in a way to where I think my audience can come away better than they did going into it? And then lastly, it's, of course, will this person bring new listeners to my podcast? That's the business side, right? So if I interview somebody who maybe is from a space that we haven't really penetrated yet, or this person uh, has really, really good pull with the people that follow them, will they bring us new listeners? And will those be the kind of listeners that we want? That's the last thing I say that, you know, we would consider. But the, the most important thing is like, am I going to find this person, you know, really interesting? Is this is this a person that I'm going to want to talk to for an hour or two? And, and that'll come through, you know, when people People listen to an episode they're definitely listening to the words and the topics but what they're feeling is what you're feeling in my opinion and if it's compelling for you it's probably compelling for them or at worst your bet your most ardent fans will like to hear how compelled you are by the conversation that you're having like I would love like if there's a particular podcaster that I love listening to even if I'm not interested in the topic I like hearing that they're interested in the topic because I'm interested in them you see what I'm saying yeah makes a lot of sense yeah do you guys ever disagree on who you want to have on yeah <laughs> so how does yeah. that work out <laughs> you know if we do disagree and the per- and one person is really really adamant about it then they'll come on the show mm. um and then it's largely up to the person that really wanted him to come on <laughs> to make it <laughs> to make them good, interesting yeah to make it a good you know a good episode but it you know and it, it, it's funny too because we're now we were all we were so podcast centric before and now that we're placing focus on youtube which is a different platform we're getting kind of a new audience on youtube there's a little bit of crossover i'd say probably 20 percent, but there's like 80 percent of the audience is totally new and i know because of the comments and the comments of the videos people are like oh my god i just found you and you know i can't believe I, how long have you guys been around comments like that the YouTube audience, what they tend to find valuable is a little bit different than what the podcast audience tends to find valuable. And that's just because the, the demographics are a little different. The age is a little different. YouTube is a little younger, skews male. Podcast audience is older, 50-50 split. Um, and so I'm whereas before when we weren't on YouTube, I don't know if I'd have someone come on and talk about like the best exercises to sculpt, you know, your back. Like that's not really that interesting to a podcast mm-hmm. audience. You know, I could talk about that. I don't need a guest to come on to do that. But for YouTube, they might want to see their favorite, you know, YouTube person talk about it. And if they're 
good at communicating and we find them interesting, then that might be an episode that we do now. So it does change a little bit depending on, you know, kind of the direction we're going. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because I think it's been cool to see how you've, you know, expanded across platforms. And I think a lot of people right now are having trouble reaching new audiences. And so I'd love to hear your experience with Mind Pump of like spreading out your audience, going on new platforms. Where are you finding that you're reaching new people the most? And what would you recommend to people who are trying to like get out there in front of new audiences? Well, if you're already podcasting, it's not too hard, and you don't have to overthink this, it's not too hard to put a camera on you and then throw it up on YouTube as well. So you're already making content. All you have to do is add a camera and a little bit of editing, not much. You know, especially if you're like us, we don't edit. Well, we do on the on the video now, but at, but initially we did no, nothing. It was just a, a front end and a back end. And then we would just throw it up on YouTube. And that's okay because you ha- you're now on different platforms. And like I said earlier, there's different audiences on different platforms and they don't necessarily cross over. So for something like that, I think it's a no-brainer. I wish we did it earlier. I wish we really just put all of our podcasts on YouTube, even if we didn't put a lot of thought into making it visually appealing, just throw it up there. But nonetheless, we started doing it a little late and we started seeing some traction and we said at the beginning of this year we all decided let's place some emphasis and some focus on YouTube we've really grown the podcast the podcast was you know doing well it was big for the platforms that podcasts are on let's try and make it more visually appealing for YouTube and let's bring someone on that can edit certain things into the visual aspect of it. So like if I'm talking about a study, boom, it'll pop up. Or if Justin makes a joke about Adam, then a meme will pop up. Or he'll he'll zoom in on my face when someone says something and I'm making a you know a funny face or whatever. So just to make it more visually attractive, I guess. So we started placing emphasis on it in January, December, January. And it went from 20,000 subscribers to now 120-something thousand subscribers in a very short period of time. And the YouTube podcast now download wise has now surpassed the podcast wow. in terms of downloads. But part of that is because YouTube is so big. Yeah. Like, YouTube is massive. I mean, if you're getting a few million downloads a month on a podcast, you're crushing. If you were to do the same comparison on YouTube, that's like probably a hundred million, you know, views because YouTube is so big. Mm-hmm. So it's just a big, it's a much bigger pawn. And again, the audiences don't necessarily cross over. So like we're, we're literally building, here's the exciting thing. It's like we're building a brand new audience yeah. on YouTube with the same show. And then another thing we did, and again, if you're watching this and you have a podcast, you don't have to do this now. Don't, don't overthink it. Just you do your normal podcast, record it, and then throw it up there and don't worry about it. Once you get into the rhythm and then you have money and time to invest, then you can make it, make them both a little bit different. So I do a different intro for YouTube that I do than I do for the podcast. So the intro for YouTube, it's short, it's fast, it's much more dramatic because that's the audience likes that. And I, I point people to comment, whereas in the podcast intro, I kind of explain what's happening in the podcast. And so that's, so we've changed a few things. And so they're a little bit different, but initially do it like that, I think. Other than that, I would say, don't go crazy trying to be on every single platform. I think you're probably better off focusing on one and getting really good uh, at one before you, you spread yourself too thin. Unless you have, lots of help and it's not a problem but I know the energy it takes to do you know just to be good at one and if you're like a one person show or it's just you and a partner that'll be really hard uh, to to do all of them all at once yeah I I mean I would agree but you guys grew a lot before you did YouTube so what do you feel like was really contributing to that growth you know that's a million dollar question I guess you you know we've never advertised the podcast in fact we're right now looking at advertising the podcast for the first time so the growth came from a lot of people sharing 
sharing it with other people. And then one strategy that moved the needle the most the, with the least amount of effort would be getting on other podcasts. Yeah. So if I got on another podcast and I did a good job, that's the other part. Because if you get another podcast and you <laughs> suck, it's not going to do anything for you. It might actually hurt you. But if you get on another podcast and you do a good job, then you'll probably have some of their listeners come over to find your podcast. And so early on, we used to do these podcast tours. That's how we met you, where we would fly to areas and we would get on three or four podcasts at a time. We call it our podcast hard, right? So we used to say, and we'd just, you know, three, four, five episodes of interviews. And then we would see like a little bump in downloads every time we would do that. And then if you do a good job, they'll stick around. Yeah. So that helped a lot. But I think the number one thing is to, to have a good show. I know that sounds. <laughs> I mean, stupid. I don't think that's the only thing, though, because I feel like there are a lot of good shows that don't grow. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, OK. All right. Here's something I can I can I can point to. We uh, here's something that's a this is actually actually a pretty good strategy. Counter common knowledge tends to gain to gain traction. Here we go. So take something that's widely accepted as truth, counter it smartly, so intelligently and with integrity, and you'll get people looking at you. So early on, for example, we when we started the podcast seven years ago, CrossFit was just that was it, right? It was huge. It was exploding. Everybody was talking about it. And one of our first episodes was uh, why Mind Pump doesn't CrossFit, and we talked about the problem with their workout programming and the problem with the application and what we don't like about it and what we saw in the CrossFit, you know, gyms. And that crushed because everybody had heard all this good stuff and it was counter, right? We do, we would do episodes like um, eating small meals doesn't make you burn more body fat. At the time, seven years ago, everybody in our space thought if you ate small meals, it would speed up your metabolism and make you burn more body fat. So we went counter oftentimes to common knowledge, but with, with correct information um, intelligently. You know, we did an episode like why fasting is terrible for weight loss right so another and we positioned it very well and we talked about why you should not if you're trying to lose weight why you shouldn't try to fast to lose weight there are benefits to fasting but it shouldn't be just to lose weight we used to call that starving yourself and so we did episodes like that and i think because they were counter people shared them and were excited about that so that that would be a very good strategy it actually works pretty well on all social media i think yeah i i would agree with that well do you feel like i mean if you hadn't started a podcast would you start one now do you think that's a good strategy now or do you feel like it's different um it's a much it's much more competitive much bigger but there's also much uh, a much larger audience and much more awareness you know when i started podcasting and i told people i podcasted about 50 percent of the time people would ask but they'd be look at me like what is say, that yeah what, what's a podcast like yeah. how do i how do i find that you know and i'd say oh it's like a radio show but on on your phone and then i'd have to show them the app and all <laughs> that stuff so although it was less competitive it was it was a small audience it wasn't mm -hmm. a very big audience so now it's a much bigger audience so you have potential to to grow more mm -hmm. what I start one now? Yeah, absolutely. I can't think of a better medium for what I do. I don't like I don't like other social media platforms, really. I like podcasting the most because I like long form conversation. I talk about fitness and health. I don't think you can do that in a soundbite or, you know, an Instagram post. I think it has to be discussed and talked about uh, multiple times. So podcasting would definitely be the one. It also has the highest conversion rate. So from a business standpoint, if you're building a business, although podcasting, you're not going to get the potential for, for views or or whatever listens is not as high as like Instagram, it's converts way higher. I mean, you start to get a few thousand downloads uh, on an episode. If you're selling like coaching or, you know, some kind of a, a higher ticket uh, product, you're going to do very well if you with just a few thousand downloads on an episode.
episode, which I can't think you're not going to do that with any other social media platform. Yeah. Well, I would say even less. I mean, I have clients who get like 100 to 200 downloads and they have six figure launches every time. Like, See? you know, because they, it does convert, right? You only, if you're selling something high ticket and you have 10 people sign up, that can go really well. You know, 10 out of 200, you know, they're loyal. So yes. Yeah. So that- and podcasting lets you, I mean, you're really selling yourself, your product and your knowledge. You listen to me for an hour. That's going to be way more impactful than, you know, reading a post uh, that mm-hmm. I wrote. You'd have to read a lot of my posts and follow me for a while to equal just one episode. So the conversions are, but here's the drawback. You need to know what you're talking about. It's really hard to fake it on a podcast. <laughs> you can fake it on other social media platforms. Yeah. Try, try faking it on a podcast every single week. You, you'll be found out. <laughs> well, here's this is a juicy question. Have you ever had, you don't have to name anybody, obviously, but have you ever had guests who get on the show and you're like, oh shit, this person doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about? One time. Oh my God. <laughs> so I'm not going to name names. Doug's looking at me like, don't do it. I'm not going to name names, but we yeah. had this, this guy come on the show and he started talking about like biohacking and stuff like that and clearly had no idea what he was talking about i mean i at one point justin and i looked at each other like oh shit like this is terrible so we cut the podcast short i literally did you post it no we didn't we didn't air it so it was like 35 minutes in and he was going and he was terrible and after about 35 minutes hey thanks for coming on the show i really appreciate you coming here and uh, you know maybe whatever and then i had to cut it only happened once though but that was really awkward wow did he ever ask what happened oh (laughs) and we told him we told him it just wasn't good it wasn't good enough i mean we're gonna be honest i'm not gonna yeah. better to be honest than to lie so and yeah. he's a friend of ours still and we're still in contact with him but i mean if i put that up that would have been i think it would have been a disservice to him too yeah totally was it bad because he didn't know what he was talking about or because he just like wasn't a good guest because i've had some people who they're just not like it's not an interesting conversation because they're monotone it's not an engaging conversation and i won't post those yeah i'm trying to think if we haven't if there's other podcasts that we haven't put up because of that i can't think of any but no with with him he actually was charismatic mm-hmm. he was just like saying complete garbage total and, and, and that's like it's like our space too like you're, yeah. you're bullshitting and this is stuff that we know yeah so no i'm not i can't put that up that'll be and you know what early on when we would have guests it would be really hard for us to interrupt them or counter them when they would say something that we disagreed with because I felt like it wasn't polite or like I was being rude. You know, like someone would come on and they'd say something totally ridiculous and we would just let it slide. Because you know what it is? When I meet people in real life, I'm not a dick. So if I meet you in real life and I'm like being nice to you and then you say something, uh, yeah, you know, I don't, you know, lifting weights is, you know, that I don't, I don't want to do that because that'll make me look bulky. And we're talking and, and the conversation isn't you asking me advice. I'll let it slide because whatever, we're cool and okay, that's fine. But when you're on my show, <laughs> I, I should probably say something. Well, I, I didn't, I wasn't a good podcaster early on. We'd never done this before, so we'd let it slide. Not anymore. Now we'll, now we'll stop you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah you will i will too i used to not say anything and now i mean i've interrupted you on your own show so there we go yeah, i know you have <laughs> i know I, I think it makes for a better conversation so but that's a pretty good track record only one person in this many episodes yeah that we didn't air I th- that's pretty good track record i i think i mean we we're kind of talking about this before but i did want to talk about the business side because i think this is really interesting and i know most people who know you guys think that from the beginning that you made all of your money just off of podcast sponsors like from the get-go which is not true mm. and I think people really misunderstand the business side of podcasting and how people make money so could you
you share more about kind of the trajectory? I mean, whatever you're willing to share about just like where, where the money's actually coming from and how you use that in your business, the podcast. Yeah. So by the time you can get sponsors that will pay you and that you'll make money off of, you're already big. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, you know what it's like? It's like people trying to make a lot of money off of YouTube advertising. You have to be really big to make a lot of money off YouTube. So how do you make money before you get to that point? Like, how do you build a business before you get to the point where you're so big that now sponsors want to pay you just to talk about their product? You sell your own stuff. You got to sell your own stuff. So step one, here's here's what we did, right? So we started the podcast and the goal was to provide the best information, make it entertaining, and for us to get better at this craft. So we, we wanted to do a lot of podcasts so we could get a lot of reps uh, under our belt. And so we did that. And for a full year, we did zero monetization. So for a full year, we had our regular day jobs. We would meet up once or twice a week and we would record three or four episodes all at once. And we would post them up and we would slowly watch the downloads climb. We'd slowly watch the audience grow. By the end of the year, and, and by the way, we had a product to sell. Maps Anabolic was created before Mind Pump ever launched. Doug and I created that before I ever met um, Adam and Justin. So we, we could have sold something right out the gate, but we didn't because we wanted to build authority, loyalty, and we want to provide so much value to our audience that when we finally did launch something, it would be like a no-brainer. And so for a full year, we did this. We just podcasted, provided lots of value, answered people's questions, very responsive in our DMs and talking to people and doing all that stuff. And it got to the point where people would send us emails and messages and say things like, "Is there? do you guys have a Patreon? Or is there a way that I could donate to your business? Can you sell something? Because I want to support you. And that's when we knew, okay, I think it's time that we come out with with our product because I think our audience sees the value in it. Because remember, we were selling a workout program and none of us were like, in the fitness space, unless you're like the rippedest, buffedest, sexiest person, you have to build a lot of authority somehow. And if you're not that, then you got to build it through your information. That takes a while, right? So, so we did that for a year and then we launched Maps Anabolic. And I believe we launched it in the first month, I think we sold forty dollars or $50,000 worth of online workout programs. And Maps Anabolic was sold, was sold for like hundred bucks. So like 99 bucks. And we had this big launch and we said, okay, we have a business and we created programs initially. That's what we did. So started with maps anabolic. Then we created maps performance maps, aesthetic. We would write these programs. We'd produce them, create them, get them out. We didn't make them look perfect. You know this because you've seen some of our early programs. <laughs> oh, I still have the footage. <laughs> oh, that's a good time. I mean, I think that's what entrepreneurship is really partially about is you get something out there so you can see what the market says and then you can refine it and make it better. And without that feedback, it's impossible. You can guess, but you might guess wrong. You might as well put it out there, see what works and then work with it as you grow. So we'd, we'd make these programs run and gun and we'd build up anticipation on the podcast and then we do a launch and we'd sell them. And this is how we built our business for a long time. About three, I want to say three years in to, to doing this, at this point, we had built a pretty sizable audience and we were ranking pretty pretty highly in the fitness section. And by this point, we're like top 10 consistently in fitness and in health, we're probably top 50. So health is a larger category. And we went to Paleo FX. I'll never forget. So it was our first like, hey, let's go to a convention and let's see what's going on. And on the way there, I told Adam and Justin, I said, my goal, because we have no, we had one sponsor, actually, we had a sponsor had reached out and wanted us to sell their, their product, but it was like, they paid us like 300 bucks. It was nothing. So we really didn't have any sponsorship revenue. And I said, okay, we're big enough now. We're ranking people in our space kind of know who we are. I said, my goal is at Paleo FX. My goal is to get us sponsors and Adam and Justin were totally on board. And so that was the idea. We're going to go to Paleo FX. We're going to walk around the different booths and we're going to talk to the people that we like and 
and the products that we like and let's let's make it happen. And so that's what we did. We got there and at that time it worked out perfectly. We had hit number one in fitness. So I walked around Paleo FX, introduced myself as the host of the top fitness podcast <laughs> in the world. And, you know, I like your products, you know, and I did. These are products actually, you know, liked and used. And we came back with a bunch of contacts and that's how we started our sponsorship side of the business. That first year, it, you know, it brought in some revenue. It was the second year when it really started taking off because the podcast was growing. We were showing that we could convert and it's grown ever since. But you, you'll make no money in sponsorships until you have that kind of pull. No, nobody's going to pay you thousands of dollars if you can't sell at least hundreds of units of their product. Mm-hmm. So you got to sell your own product. And here's the good news. It's way easier to sell your own product, especially if you sell a high ticket item. You know, if you sell high service coaching, for example, you know, let's say you're a fitness or health professional and you want to, you want really good, you're, you're going to, you're going to provide exceptional one-on-one virtual service for people. You could charge a thousand dollars or more. You don't need, you know, how many people do you need? 30, you know, there's 30 grand right there, right? So if you have, like you said, hundreds of downloads, but people are consistently listening to you and loving what you're saying, then you, you've got yourself a business. The sponsorships will come later. You, you'll be successful before the sponsorships become a significant portion of your revenue. Yeah. Well, so now are the programs still like the bigger percentage of the income? The programs still sell more than the sponsorships, but the, the sponsorships are catching up quite mm-hmm. quickly. Okay. So they're they're close. Yeah. And the sponsorships are the the cool thing about sponsorships is the margins are so high because all I have to do is talk about a product. Although electronic products like workout programs still have high margins, there's still a cost to production and putting it together in time. But if a if a sponsor comes to me and says, you know, I'll pay you seven thousand dollars per commercial to mention, I mean that's that's all hundred percent profit. Yeah. So that's a good thing about sponsorships. But yeah, now they're getting close. It's starting to catch up to the to the program. The bigger the podcast gets, the more programs will sell too. So if you are a podcast host and you are not already part of the podcast connector, what are you waiting for? This is a totally free service for you. We know how hard it is nowadays to find really amazing guests that have something different to say. I've been hosting a show for over six years now, and I know it has gotten more and more difficult for me to find unique messages and really cool people. They're out there, but I go mostly on referral only, so I totally feel you. And this is why the Podcast Connector is amazing, because we get to know you, your show, exactly what you're looking for. And if we find a guest who is perfectly aligned, we will send them your way. There is no requirement for you to book the guest. You can just check it out, see if they're aligned, and we truly will only send you people who we think are perfect matches, so we won't be spamming you, but it is a no-effort way for you to uh, find some really incredible guests and book them if you want. So if you are a host and you are interested in potentially getting connected with incredible people, again, there is no requirement to book them. The Podcast Connector is totally free for you, and you can head to thepodcastconnector.com, apply today, and we will be in touch soon. Yeah. Well, I think something that you're leaving out that's so important, and maybe just because you're used to it, is the loyalty of your audience. And I think something that you guys do probably better than anyone in the industry is build community. And yeah. I've like, I have I mean, I've never seen a community like what you've built, like the loyalty of your audience. I mean, it's something special to have an audience that will buy literally every single program you put out when they know that if they listen to every episode of your show, which they do, they could probably do it themselves yeah. to a certain extent, right? Like you guys mm-hmm. don't hide things you you say it all on the podcast like yeah. you've always been like that and I think that's a lost 
art in some ways is building the community. So if you were to think back on that process, like from the beginning, what do you think allowed you to build such a loyal community? Yeah, that's the best compliment that we've ever gotten. We've heard that from other people and it's the best, absolute best compliment we've, we could ever get because we care the most about that. I mean, we were trainers for decades before we ever started doing this. So we're so grateful for the people that give us money for our products and services. I mean, it's it really truly is a blessing. I think a big part of that is our audience knows that we are totally honest. So they trust the hell out of us. Now, what does that mean? I'll give you an example. A sponsor that we work with, this is a great example. A sponsor that we work with is Four Sigmatic. Okay, so Four Sigmatic mushroom-based supplements like Cordyceps and Reishi, and, and they've been around for a little while. Great products. They don't taste that great. You mix it in water. It's like mushroom powder. We say that on the podcast. And you know what's funny? The first time we said that, the owners emailed us and were like, uh, why are you telling people that our, our cordyceps taste like crap. And we replied and we said, because it does, <laughs> but it's effective and we like it, but we're just being honest with people. That kind of honesty, like our audience knows that if we say, dude, this is like the skincare product. We work with Caldera. That's another one. Uh, face oil. I mean, we're dudes, like we're selling, you know, skincare products, but people, but we used it and literally they sent us their product. We used it and we're like, oh my God, this is actually really good. So we talk about it on the show. People trust us yeah. because we're super honest. So that's a big one. You got to be really, really honest. Got to be honest about when you when you mess up. Honest about the products that you sell. Don't oversell things. Like tell people the total, the, the truth. They'll respect you for that. So that's number one. Number two is you want to be responsive to people. Now, at some point it's impossible to respond to everybody. But uh, initially, I mean, that was, I spent most of my day doing that. I'd answer questions. I'd coach people out for free. Again, it's because of the gratitude that we had for these people. Like, oh my God, you're listening to me talk for I remember early on it was like I'd come home and I'd be like dude 5,000 people are listening to me talk like so if somebody asked me a question I was like oh my god yes let me help you I'll, I'll do whatever you want like you know and that produced a tremendous amount of loyalty as well and then the, the third thing and this is part of being honest is being authentic now I know everybody says that now be authentic be authentic <laughs> blah 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 especially with the way social media works now if you're not authentic you're gonna get chewed up and spit out so what does that mean that means if you believe something even if you're afraid to say it say it and you might lose some followers people might get pissed off but the people who listen to you and follow you know who you are and you know who your followers are these people like me for my authentic views and don't back down if you really believe in something don't back down don't back down to the mob the mob can really we got hammered you know, remember when that whole it was like what was it election year everybody was posting black tiles on their yeah. instagram and everything okay and i saw the you know not to go off on a, on a rant but i saw Please the organization i saw the organization that everybody was supporting and I, I i'm very supportive of the sentiment but the organization itself i saw it, i could see what they were doing i'm like that is not a good organization they've got the leadership says some stuff that's really so i'm sorry i can't do that well we got hammered for it why aren't you doing this why aren't you supporting and we were just honest here's the deal like you know, I think certain things are wrong. I support that 100%. But I'm not going to just jump on some bandwagon, especially when I know this, this, and that. But when you're authentic as hell, you, number one, become invincible. You, you're not going to knock me down because I'm not going to bow to you. And then the second thing is that the people that follow you, they they really follow you. Like, they, they, they like you. They know who you are. And they trust you. And then when you sell something, it's like, you know, look, I tell you what. You and I are friends. If you came to me 
and you said, oh my God, Sal, I, this product totally fixed my gut. Like I have gut health issues like you, you need to try this. I would buy it that second mm -hmm. because you told me. I don't care what it is. I don't even have to look at the label. I'm going to buy it because you told me because I trust you, right? So when you build that kind of relationship with your audience, then yeah, of course. And our sponsors love us for it now. And initially they used to try to kind of manage how we sold their products. And we told them outright, look, if you work with us, you got to let us do our thing and then trust us. You'll see the conversions. If you don't, then that's fine, but you'll see the conversions. But don't tell us how to sell and don't tell us what to say. We ha it has to be from us. Now they leave us alone. They let us say wh whatever we want and it works. Well, I think that leads into, I mean, I feel like there are a lot of good podcasters, but what do you think makes a great podcaster? Ooh, that's a good question. Let me think of some good, some really, really good interviewers. Uh, Ryan Mitchler is a really good interviewer. He's the host of Order of Man. The conversation flows and he asks interesting questions and it doesn't sound like he's running a off a list of, of questions. It sounds very conversational. So I think he's really good. I think you're really good because you are, you're not afraid to ask hard questions or take things in a direction. Um, you tend to be very, you know, assertive in that, in that sense. I think people listening enjoy that. I think podcasting is a skill. So the more you do it, the better you are at it. If you're, if you're a podcaster now and you want to be great, just do it a lot. You're, you're going to get better just because you're doing it a lot. I mean, listen, go to, go listen to Mind Pump episode 155. I don't know. <laughs> Listen to early episodes. You will be shocked at the difference in the show quality and the difference in myself and my co-host. So do it a lot. It'll make you a lot better. And then there's a there's a level of talent there that I think, you know, people have. You're probably going to be better at podcasting if you are naturally inquisitive and you're a conversationalist. If you like to have good conversations, that'll probably make you a little bit better. And then preparation. You know, Art of Charm. He used to host Art of Charm. Uh, Harbinger. Okay, Jordan Harbinger. He's a really good interviewer. He's all about preparation. So he will will have a guest and then he'll do all kinds of homework on the guest. He'll find things that are very interesting. He'll organize everything that he wants to talk about. He'll have his notes in front. So when he goes into the conversation, he's very, very well prepared. I think that's also important. Although I have to say we're we're less of that style. We do yeah. prepare more now than we did when we first started. And it definitely helps. I think the prep can go either way. Like I have found that some, most of my best conversations I don't prep for at all. And it goes really well because it's very authentic the whole way through. Yeah. But I think depending on who it is it does go better when you prepare i think it depends on your style like yeah i'm better Free like flow. yeah so that's just my opinion on it yeah that's that's also part of your brand is you're mm -hmm. just very you know it's like you know you're you're listening to you yeah the real person so you were super prepped and and structured it probably wouldn't your, your audience might not like it because it doesn't sound like you yeah totally well i think also part of like the magic of mind pump is the dynamic between the three of you yeah. you know plus doug <laughs> <laughs> uh, his dynamic too but like I just feel like it's really hard for people to find good partners now and I see yeah. that falling apart all the time and I mean when you at the beginning did you ever have any doubts on that or how did you know that was the right fit that's a really good question that's hard to pinpoint because finding a good business partner you need to treat it like you're like when you look for your spouse I'm dead serious because marrying the wrong person or being with the wrong business partner they could both screw you up terribly I mean you could lose everything by working with the wrong partner so take it very seriously. You know, Adam, Justin, and Doug and I have ex very similar values and we all really are driven 
to to help people as much as possible and to provide really good quality. So that drives everything that we do, which is good because when we have a tough decision to make, for example, a sponsor may approach us and they'll say, you know, we're going to pay you, you know, $150,000 this year and we want you to do two commercials a month and all this stuff. And then we'll look at the products and they don't really jive with us. You know, I mean, we could make it work if we kind of maneuvered around it a little bit. And sometimes we even get caught up in that conversation like, well, I think I could sell this maybe from this angle. And then we always stop ourselves five minutes into it and go, no, what are we doing? Like, that's not, that's not us. There were a couple moments where I realized early on that I realized that I was working with the right guys. Uh, The first time was when we first started Mind Pump, we actually had another partner. So there was actually a fifth partner. So did uh, I know that? I think I told you this early on. Probably just blocked it. I just repressed it. Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> so uh Craig Caperso was uh Adam's friend. He had the large he had a very large social media following, 100 and something thousand followers. Bodybuilder, you know, he was like a spokesperson for bodybuilding.com. He was a sponsored athlete by Cellucor, all that stuff. And he was originally part of the of Mind Pump and we recorded 12 episodes with him. And right when we were ready to launch the podcast, he sent some of the episodes to the people that managed his account at Cellucor, the company that sponsored him. And they listened to it in early mind pump we were off the we were off the rails it was like no holds barred and it was pretty raw and raunchy you don't Sometimes think it's I, raunchy now oh this is like you've held back you're oh, older yeah, now not that we're holding back i think we're just we're just wiser maybe i mean alcohol was often involved you know okay. in, the, in the podcast we'd smoke a joint here and there and it was crazy but it was I, th- I think good information but it was a little crazy he sent it to the people manages account they listened to it and they said this is really edgy and we don't know if we can work with you you if you continue with with these guys so literally i swear to god this was like days before we're ready for our big launch 12 episodes produced edited we'd never done this before it's a big deal it was a lot of work a lot of time sacrificed and he's pulled out hey guys i can't i'm sorry i can't do this so i saw the text there was a big group text and i prepared myself to get on the phone and inspire and motivate adam justin and doug to keep moving forward that was my mentality so i thought to myself all right I'm going to get on because I was I was crushed because I really wanted to do that. And I'm like, shit, Craig, that was our that was the our social media guy. He had the biggest following. Like without him, like, what are we going to do? Nobody knows who we are. Adam had like 7000 followers like it was you know, compared to Craig. That was nothing. So I said, OK, I'm going to get on the phone. I'm going to inspire and motivate everybody to just do this with me. Right. So I call them up on a group call before <laughs> I could before I could any words came out of my mouth, Christina, before I could say anything, Adam pipes up. Fuck it. We're going to do this anyway. Justin's like, hell yeah, we'll start all over. And I was. I got, I, I was like, I got goosebumps. I was like, oh shit, these are the guys that I want to work with. It was amazing. That's one moment. Another moment early on in Mind Pump was, uh, and Adam and I often butt heads, right? Him and I are the ones, if there's ever a big argument over the business or whatever, 99% of the time it's between Adam and I. So way back we got into, I don't remember what, I, I don't even remember what it was over, but we got in this huge heated debate and argument over something in the business. And it was, you know, raised voices and yelling and making our points. I mean, we're not aggressive, like we're like we're gonna fight, but we're both very passionate. And Justin and Doug, uh, you know, as whenever we do that, they kind of sit there and, and watch us <laughs> yell at each other. And we were just going at it, right? And this was like an hour argument, and it was loud, it was heated. And at the end of it, we all, we we decided that okay, fine, we're gonna go in this whatever direction. And I left the office. I had to go pick up my kids. And I got in the car. And on the way to pick up my kids, I thought. I, you know, I'm going to call Adam because I want to make sure he knows that it's all good. So I get on the phone and I'm like, hey, man, listen, I want to let you know that I appreciate that argument. I love the fact that 
We're just open. We let it all out. But at the end, we could decide to move forward. And I want you to know there's absolutely no hard feelings. And Adam was like, and what's funny is he tells the story later on. We were at a, a live event and somebody asked the question like you did. And he tells the story. And he actually, he got emotional because he goes, at that moment, I knew that this was the team. And so stuff like that happens where, you know, we, here's, here's another one. We, the business starts to succeed. We start to bring in money. We all sit down. And instead of paying ourselves, we say, how can we take this and invest it in a way to where it could set us up in case this whole thing blows up in a couple of years? And all of us agreed. All of us agreed to take a normal, regular, you know, Bay Area salary. So none of us are living like whatever. Take the money and invest it to grow so that we could, if something happens, well, and, but we all agreed on that. So these are the things that, that we all have in common that I think are kind of root characteristics because we're all very different. You know that you, you've met us all. We're all very different, but at our root, we're all, we all agree. We have the same values, the same character, and that will outlast, I think, anything. So yeah. look for that, I would say, in your partner. Somebody asked, did you manifest them? Hmm. <laughs> Okay, you ready? Let's get weird. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, you totally did. I love when you ask these questions. So if we go way back, when I was managing gyms, I... I first became a, a general manager for big box clubs when I was 19. So these were 30, 40,000 square foot facilities. Uh, you know, I'd have 30 to 50 people working under me. And I'd be responsible for, you know, 200, $250,000 worth of revenue every month. And I was, uh, this was at 24 Hour Fitness. And back in those days, I think, I think 24 Hour Fitness had like two or 300 locations. And I was uh, a top performer. Okay. So I was like this 19 year old kid, just crushing top performer. And I would hear about other top performers, like other people in the company. Right. And there were only a few of us that were kind of doing this kind of stuff. And I would hear Adam's name a few times. I'd hear about Adam Schaefer. He was a fitness manager and fitness managers manage uh, training departments and he was crushing too and every once in a while I'd hear his name pop up well maybe a couple years into my career I actually had left the 24 fitness I had owned my own business sold it came back to 24 fitness and then I had this trainer that was working for me her name was Amber and she came up to me and just like the first day that I was there after she her and I hung out for a little bit and she goes um do you know Adam Schaefer and I said no I mean I've heard his name a couple times but I don't know who he is and she goes you have to meet him you guys need to work together you have to start a business together you have to do something wow okay, so this is when I was I was probably 22 you okay so so 20 years ago that's the first time then i had uh later on my friend larry wait did you connect with him after that or no 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 oh. no this, wow. it, gets weird. it gets it gets weirder then uh larry a friend of mine somebody i hired trained and developed and mentored <laughs> he came up to me he goes bro you got to meet this guy named adam schaefer i swear to god you guys have to meet you have to work together I'm like man that's weird like somebody told me that a long time ago like why do you say that are we like the same person or something like and he goes no he goes you guys are different but you have to work together then the third person comes up to me my friend jason bro you need to meet adam shit you guys have to work together and i'm like this is the weirdest thing ever well it must have happened like i'm not lying christina like seven or eight times wow where people would literally tell me, and it got to the point where someone would come up to me and be like dude do you know and i'd be like don't tell me adam schaefer yes how did you know i was gonna say that other people have told me you think we should work together oh my god you guys totally should start a business so i heard this at least like i said seven or eight times adam same thing he tells a story now people would tell him the same thing do you know sal you should work together so that happened a lot 
Never met him. Never met him. Never contacted him. It was just like, whatever. Ignoring the signs. So fast forward, I get out of that business. I open up my own wellness studio. Um, I think I'm 24 at the time. And I had, you know, personal training studio, massage, all that stuff. And a family member of mine had cancer and it was terminal. And so I was trying to find any alternative treatments or ways to help her. And I started learning about cannabinoids and marijuana and how that can help with the symptoms of chemo and it maybe even kills cancer sometimes. Anyway, make a long story short, I'm doing all this research. I'm on Facebook and I see Adam on Facebook. He was oh he he helped start a couple of the first cannabis clubs in San Jose. So at this point, he's not even in fitness anymore. He's in cannabis. So I'm like, shit, let me message him. I heard his name so many times. I'm gonna ask him questions about cannabis because I'm learning about this. So him and I would message each other back and forth about marijuana. Two fitness guys who are really interested in the science of marijuana. That was it. That was about it right there. That then I meet Doug. Doug is my client. That's how I met Doug. And Doug approaches me one day and says, if you ever put anything together you want to sell online, let me know. I have a little bit of experience with online marketing. I can help you put it together. So I created Maps Anabolic. Doug and I put together the whole program and the marketing and the whole deal. And before we did anything with it, I thought, I'm going to have Adam look at this. Because he was, Adam, even then I knew he was very blunt and honest. I mean, Adam's the kind of guy that if you tell him, if you ask his opinion, he'll give you. his. So if it sucks, he'll tell you it sucks. Yeah. Whether it hurts your feelings or not. So I said, I love his opinion. I know he'll be honest. So I sent, so I, I messaged Adam, hey, I got this, I put together this workout program and I'd love your opinion on it. Lots of people have told me I need to work with you for some reason, which is really weird, but I'd love your opinion. So he says, sure. So I send him over the material. The next day he calls me up and he's like, dude, we need to meet. Like, let's meet. Uh, I have a business partner. His name is Justin. We all need to sit down and and talk about doing something together. And I'm like, absolutely. I told Doug, Doug, I'm going to go meet with these guys. We're going to sit down and talk about something. This could be a good opportunity, a good way to sell maps because, you know, Adam, you know, might help us, whatever. We sat down and that was it. As soon as we sat down, we all started talking and the chemistry was just, it was palpable. Like it was like, for sure, we need to do something together. We agreed on everything. We were very like, we're going to be honest. We're not going to care what anybody thinks. Here's the problems in the fitness industry. And it was like a four hour conversation that felt like, you know, 35 minutes. And that's how it all started. But and when you go back, it's really weird. You know, like all these people would say this, what a strange thing to hear, right? You know, so-and-so. It's not weird. Together. It's divine yeah. intervention. Of course. Come on, Sal. <laughs> of course you would say that. <laughs> it is. Well, you can pretend, you are you're, very you know spiritual. Yeah, no, I, you know Don't what? pretend you're like right. you're not. No, you're right. I have to agree. I think part of part of the reason why I get reluctant to do to say that mm-hmm. is it feels I don't know you have religious weird. trauma no no I don't have any I used to be atheist though but not because of because of, of religious trauma but I, I don't know it just feels like oh I'm supposed to do this I don't know I but you're right I mean it's very serend- you know everything that's happened for us since has been very serendipitous mm-hmm. you know things have kind of just worked out the way they're supposed to so I, I mean I, yeah, hindsight's 2020 right but it is weird and I think I, th- I would agree with you I think it was supposed to happen yeah it was supposed to happen so well you can pretend like you're not spiritual but I know the truth <laughs> <laughs> I am sp- I am spiritual. That's true. There we go. Well, yeah. so I I want to talk a little bit about your book because that's a big birthing event. How has it How does it feel to be an author? What was that like for you? Uh, I've you know I always want to. In fact, when Doug came to me originally when I created Maps Anabolic, I thought I would write a book first. He's he's the one that talked me into doing like an online program. But it, it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. Uh, I had the idea for it. I've wanted to write about resistance training for a long time in a way to where I'm communicating to the average person, my aunt or my mom, you know, resistance training 
running is so stigmatized and stereotyped, but it's such an incredible way to exercise and it provides you know so much value to people. So I wanted to do that and it just never happened. You know, it's, it's just a huge undertaking. I don't know what the first place to like, where do I start? I've written blogs. Like I've never written anything longer than that. I don't have, I don't have a college education. I don't have all this training and any of that stuff. And I thought it was just kind of, okay, if I do that, I have to dedicate it a tremendous amount of time. I'm busy with mind pump. Everything's going great. Well, we got contacted by publisher Hachette contacted us and said, Hey, if you guys would ever be interested in writing a book, we would love to hear your idea and be interested in maybe publishing it. And I was perfect. So I said, okay. So I pitched them my idea. They, they liked it, uh, put it together. I hired somebody to help me with the writing portion of it. So I could basically do what I love doing, which is this talking and they could help put my words on paper. And, uh, we put it together and it's doing okay. It's, it's out there and it's doing okay. Some people are finding value in it. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. It is weird though. For some reason, I was way more nervous writing a book than doing anything I've ever done in my entire life. Yeah, well, that's why I'm curious about it because it's like I feel like it's a I mean, it's a whole experience. It can bring up a lot in people. And, you know, I think people from the outside just think, oh, you just write the book, you put it out there. And it's so much more than that. Oh, it's you know, it's funny when when I first started podcasting, sometimes I'd get a little nervous because I'd say stuff and then the show would go out and I'd be like, oh, my God, people are going to hear, you know, me talk about, you know, that thing or but I'd get like a little nervous and then whatever. It's not a big deal. I don't think I've ever really felt super nervous podcasting or talking but writing and it being in in writing in a book you know and it's it potentially could exist forever even though podcasts can too it just felt maybe it's my generation a book had different weight well podcasts can get lost the book feels very like final like this is like my work in a book and it's very vulnerable it's like everybody is can see this totally and here's the other part that that really i felt the weight of i really wanted to do well for my my partner like really wanted to do well for them i mean these guys work so hard we all we all work real hard we all trust each other and I respect the hell out of the out of the men that I that I work with and I did not want to produce a product that they weren't proud of I know they'd back me up no matter what I could you know, it, it could be a piece of crap and they would support me, but I want, I wanted to represent them really well. So I felt like this weight, you know, I, I want to do well for them. And so it was, it was different. The pressure was different. I was, like I said, I was very nervous, but once it went out and like I said, it's doing, it's doing pretty good. It got me a lot of opportunities to be on other podcasts and to talk about the book, which I mm-hmm. think is the most valuable part. I think I'll do it again. I think I'll do it again at some point. Do you know what about? Yeah, I think, I mean, I say, yeah, like I really know. I have an idea. It might change, but I, I think I would like to write about nutrition but not in the way that other people write about nutrition. I think I'd like to write about behaviors and behavior-led nutrition. I need to focus on it when I do decide so that I can really conceptualize how to communicate it the most effective way. But I, 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 I don't know anybody that really has written a book in a really effective way in that, in that way with nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I think mm. I think you do a great job at that. I'm thank here you. for it. There we go. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. What do you think was like the hardest part about writing it? The experience? Yeah. You know, organizing, I would say organizing the thoughts in a way that really makes sense in a book in order. However, because it it was something that I've talked about for so for so long and something I'd kind of thought about for so long, once I started, then it kind of, you know, made sense. Plus, I hired somebody to help me. And I think that that in in many cases is a very wise investment because I think especially if you don't have any experience writing a book, that could be a huge undertaking and you could be one of those people that just 
Yeah, I'm writing a book. Well, you, you, know, you started five years ago and you haven't, yeah. you know, haven't finished it. Hiring an expert to help you, especially if you have another business that's supporting you, is probably oftentimes a good investment. Yeah, I'm glad you're so, I appreciate you being so transparent around that because I was talking to somebody else about this. I feel like there are so many people that write books now and they do hire help with, with somebody to help them organize things and write things and they don't mention that. And I feel like there are so many people that just like compare themselves and it's like, look, people have more help than you think, right? Even with, with you guys in your show, it's like, like I remember comparing myself to you and I'm like, they have a whole team. Yeah. Like it, and it's just me and I'm 20 and I'm, you know, with my little equipment. And it's like, I think that's really important and helpful to just see like, you know, what's really going on behind the scenes. Absolutely. I mean, it does. Look, I tell you what, it would be, that would be my ego, right? My ego would say, no, do this on your own. And then <laughs> who would benefit from that? Yeah. I would put out a, first of all, I probably wouldn't finish because of the, the, the amount of time and effort it would take me. But even if I did, the product wouldn't be as good. I wouldn't be able to help as many people. I wouldn't be able to reach as many people. I mean, it's my words. At the end of the day, it's what I say and I approve it and I say, say this or say that. But having a professional help you, I'm not a professional author. I don't think I ever will be a professional author. So it makes sense to hire a coach or hire somebody that could help you with that. It's It was a huge, it was such a valuable investment. And I, I think it's funny that people are, I mean, I get it. I guess people think, oh, if I tell people I had a writer, then they don't think I wrote the book or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it, people think any differently, honestly. Well, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, neither do I, you know, but I don't know. I think that's the fear though, right? Yeah, ego. Well, mm -hmm. so where can everybody get the book? Anywhere they sell books. So it's right. the Resistance Training Revolution, Amazon, Target, Barnes and Noble, uh, or you can go to the resistancetrainingrevolution.com. Wow. Look at you leading a revolution. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right. Well, very on brand, very on brand. Sal reading, leading the revolution. <laughs> stop, stop. <laughs> stop it. All right. Well, just to wrap up, you know, I want to finish with our, our five, five minute favor exercise. So this is your moment. Do you have a five minute favor you want to ask the audience? Something that you're looking for support with a question or rec, anything like that? Yeah, I'm going to make it very simple. I'm going to do this. I value, you know, this is to your audience. I value Christina a lot. I think she's Thank exceptional. You. And so what I would like you to do is to share this particular episode on whatever platforms you're a part of. Just take this episode, share it, get people to listen to it. If you found what I said valuable, great. If not, you're still sharing uh, Christina. And I know she does a good job, so... <laughs> I appreciate that. Less than five minute favor. So great. Amazing. Well, Sal, everybody listening, you can find everything at mindpumpmedia.com, podcast Mind Pump. Go follow Mind Pump Sal and all the other Mind Pump fam. Thank you so much, Sal. This is amazing. Yeah, it's been a blast. And make sure you <laughs> come up soon. I will. Yeah. yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head up there soon and we'll hang out. Excellent. Huge thank you to Sal for coming on the show. Be sure to share the episode if you did enjoy it. If you think it will be valuable to anybody in your life, send it over to them. If you share it on social media, be sure to tag Sal at Mind Pump Sal. You can tag at Mind Pump Media and at the Podcast Connector, of course, so we can share and we appreciate those shares every single time. Don't forget to pick up your copy of The Resistance Training Revolution by Sal Stefano. Be sure to listen to Mind Pump podcast, number one fitness podcast, and check out Mind Pump's YouTube channel because it is amazing. That's going to be it for today's show. Thanks again so much for tuning in. Hope you have an incredible rest of your day and we'll chat with you again next episode. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode. 
Don't forget, if you want to get booked on amazing podcasts, or if you're a podcast host and you want to get connected with some incredible guests, head over to thepodcastconnector.com to learn more about our service. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It truly means the world to us. And extra points if you take a screenshot and tag us on social media so that we can see that you're listening. Thanks again for tuning in. Have an amazing rest of your day, and we will chat with you again next episode.